It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. State and federal investigators are still working to determine the cause of a recent oil spill in Sitka Sound. The leak was spotted oozing from a hole in the seawall near the Sitka Sound Science Center's hatchery penstock in mid-November. DEC spokesperson Sarah Moore says the leak stopped shortly after the spill was spotted. The the Coast Guard has been maintaining containment boom around the Science Center in kind of a um, just-in-case posture, um, but there hasn't been any additional uh, contamination released. Moore says the DEC conservatively estimates the spill at around 10 gallons. So it really has been a pretty small release. Um, You know, we were particularly concerned about identifying the source and then, of course, um, helping the Science Center ensure that they are um, safe and ready for next season's fry. Federal investigators from the EPA were in Sitka last week to try to find the source of the spill on nearby properties. The team drilled several holes around the state-owned Stratton Library, which is part of the state-run Sheldon Jackson Museum, located uphill from the Science Center. And so we were hoping to find contamination there that would help lead us to a source. Um, They dug three holes essentially to bedrock and did not find any indications of contamination. So at this point, we've collected samples from those test pits as well as from the oil appearing at the Science Center and from some potential sources we've identified. And we're waiting for those test results to um, you know, help us determine what the next steps are going to be. Moore says they should have results from those tests in the next 7 to 10 days. An emergency meeting held by the Chatham School Board in Angoon last Wednesday quickly turned into an impromptu memorial for the late superintendent, Bruce Houck. School district staff and community members were led in over an hour of grieving and prayers in remembrance of Houck, who died last week. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel brings us some of the remembrances of Houck that were shared at the meeting. We're not sure why you took Bruce home early, but we are thankful for his presence and to be able to work with him. And we would ask you, Lord, that you would just be with his son and daughters as they deal with this tragedy and just shower them with your love and your peace. My name is Jerry Singson, and um, I'm his secretary. And uh, I just started in June, but um, Bruce, he kind of took me under his wing. And and we made friends so fast. And we'd always joke around in the office and... I can always just hear it when he laughs. He laughs from the gut. (laughs) Just laughs. The district isn't the only one that lost a great man today. But the city of Angoon lost a great man today, too. There's so much you could say about him. My family and I got really close with him. He was a really good friend. He was really a big part of our family. When I first met Bruce, within the first two minutes, we were joking and laughing. He had that laugh. And, but we, we appreciate Bruce. And, you know, it's not just a, 
Chatham family loss, it's, it's ending. You know, the community feels it. We're going to feel it. Thank you. Bruce's loss is clearly going to be felt at all of our sites. I think he was doing more things for more people than any of us. I, I knew that he was doing a lot, but um, um, the testimony given tonight, I, I see that I didn't know. I didn't know everything. Voices heard include Albert Kukash III, Sherry Singson, Joyce Frank, Paul Chains, and Elizabeth Huji. Angoon Superintendent Bruce Houck died last Tuesday of natural causes, according to an Alaska State Troopers report. He was 61 years old. Nearly half of all Alaska lawmakers and counting have signed on to a letter to the council that oversees commercial fishing in Alaska's federal waters, joining a bipartisan chorus of voices demanding reduction of halibut bycatch. Specifically, representatives are asking the North Pacific Fisheries Management Council to approve Alternative 4 at its meeting this week, which would take the most significant swing towards linking the trawl fleet's fishing with halibut abundance in the Bering Sea. It's a strategy called Abundant Space Management, and it's one proponents say would curb the number of halibut that get incidentally scooped up by trawl nets each year in western Alaska. KDLL's Sabine Pooks reports. Andy Mezzaro is a charter operator in Seward and a member of the North Pacific Fishery Management Council. He says bycatch is a complicated issue and one the council's been considering for six years. If it was just a simple math problem, this would be a much easier issue, but it's not. Bycatch at large has generated a lot of buzz. The North Pacific Fishery Management Council heard testimony from hundreds on salmon bycatch this year, and the state's forming an Alaskan bycatch task force to tackle the issue. Halibut in the Bering Sea, in particular, is a species of concern for fishermen in western Alaska. There are already limits on halibut bycatch for the fishermen and processors that catch groundfish in the Bering Sea and Aleutian Islands. That fleet is called the Amendment 80 Fleet, and it catches the largest amount of halibut bycatch of the groundfish fisheries in the region. But the bycatch cap currently in place for the Amendment 80 Fleet is fixed and is not adjusted to halibut abundance. So when abundance is low, bycatch is a larger slice of the overall pie. The last time that cap was changed was five years ago. In their letter, legislators say there's currently little incentive for the trawl fleet to lower the amount of bycatch they get an estimated 2.8 million pounds of halibut every year. Soldotna Republican Representative Ron Gillum is one of the representatives who signed on to the letter. And when they have to throw back, you know, more halibut dead than uh, the sports and commercial fishermen catch, you know, that's just not right. So there's got to be something done to stop the overharvest of the, from the bycatch. Advocates of Alternative 4, including the hundreds who submitted comments to the North Pacific Fishery Management Council, say the council should link the fleet's activity to halibut abundance, with a range that fluctuates between the current cap and 45% lower. Other alternatives on the table would set higher caps. Mezzaro says the council has long been considering linking trawling to abundance, but he said it's not always been easy to model what that might look like in practice. Plus, Alternative 4 would likely have a colossal impact on the Amendment 80 fleet. Estimates in the draft environmental impact statement show that hit would greatly outweigh the economic gains from not harvesting as much halibut bycatch. In truth, some will be hurt no matter what we do. If we choose any of the options that re result in reductions, 
there are some companies will be more negatively impacted than others. But Mesereau says there are social impacts to consider as well. The council has heard from communities in western Alaska about how dependent they are on halibut, including Alaska Native fishermen. In a separate social impact statement, the council found that the alternatives could have significant impacts for those communities. David Bays says that's important. He's a charter operator out of Homer and has headed charter associations for Homer and Alaska. To me, the heart of this conversation is whether we as Alaskans want to look at how these regulations affect Alaska and Alaska's incomes, or if we want to zoom out and focus on the the benefit to the nation as a whole. And and it is, it is you know, the, the nation makes a lot of money off of it, but um, if that comes at the price of local Alaskans, um, is that something Alaskans want to support? He says the health of halibut stocks in the Bering Sea could have effects on South Central fishermen as well. Bering Sea trawlers tend to catch juvenile halibut in their nets. Mesereau says it's going to be a difficult conversation for the council. What people want are so far apart that I don't think that the outcome of this is going to um, make everybody happy. And I, it's fairly standard these days in fisheries management, but it's hard to go into a meeting knowing that uh, you're probably not going to make everybody happy. The halibut bycatch issue is second on the council's December agenda. Whatever decision it makes will head to NOAA Fisheries for approval. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. Sitka's mask mandate is in effect until March, anytime the community's COVID alert level is high. Now, Petersburg has followed suit in extending its own slightly different mandate. The Southeast Communities Assembly Monday voted to extend a face covering requirement for indoor public spaces in the borough into the first days of the new year. The Assembly passed a new emergency ordinance that continues the COVID-19 mandate inside buildings that are open to the public, including for community events, workout areas, meetings and gatherings for nonprofits, and private social clubs. The mandate, which has not been enforced, does not extend to private residences and has many exceptions. The borough's public health officer, Dr. Mark Tosillo, encouraged the continuation and said masks cut down on the transmission of the virus. I, I think masks are easy. They're safe. They're something that some people have to get used to. But trust me, we, we wear masks all the time, all day. And it, it's, it's something you can accommodate yourself to, and it works. The emergency ordinance was passed November 5th during the latest rapid expansion of cases in the community. The assembly added language about two weeks later, but stopped short of fines or requiring enforcement by businesses and buildings owners. Since then, case numbers have dropped. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends face coverings indoors in public for both vaccinated and unvaccinated people in areas of high transmission of the virus. The vote was 6-1 to one to extend the face covering requirement through January 3rd. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Ha, 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 ha.